Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter, back into Exodus after our little uh, deviation. Uh, we're looking here at Exodus chapter 24. And uh, here in, in Exodus 24, it's interesting. We've we finished this, this sermon that God has essentially given to Moses here. And, and now we have a turn back into the narrative, back into the story, back into the story, and we have the covenant, the covenant being confirmed. And so this is where uh, you've got Moses and Aaron and his sons and the elders going up onto the mountain, and they uh, are going to have this, this meal with God, and they're going to see God. This is uh, one of the very unique moments in the Bible where this happens. It's connected to a couple of other really key moments in Scripture, especially in the New Testament, um, and uh, connected, of course, also to our own liturgy, the idea of having a meal with God. Here it is in Exodus 24, some really good stuff for us to be looking at today. And joining us, we've got one of our regular guests. We've got Pastor Thomas Eckstein, pastor at Concordia Lutheran Church in Jamestown, North Dakota. Good morning, brother. How are you doing? I hope you had a good breakfast, because otherwise this chapter might make you hungry. Oh, I know. <laughs> um, actually, I, I had a very small breakfast because I'm trying to lose weight. But uh, yeah, you, yeah, I know this 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 uh, whets your appetite for something special here. But uh, no, it's going well. We have a beautiful day here in North Dakota, and uh, looking forward to getting into this text. There's a lot of wonderful things here. Yeah, and. Um... I feel like this is a text that I end up referencing a lot because it's it's one that I think is really theologically significant, but uh, people are sort of unfamiliar with it. Like, uh, you know, it, it's like you read the Ten Commandments, and then, uh, well, I mean, as we've seen, you know, th those chapters 21, 22, 23 afterwards are actually very, very interesting and helpful. Um, but I feel like people lose steam, and so they don't make it to 24. But, like, man, you're missing out if you don't make it to 24. Oh, yeah. Right. Right, Absolutely. Well, without any further ado, let's go ahead then uh, and turn to the text. As we get started, brother, would you open us up with a prayer? Yes. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, uh, and we thank you so much for, for all the ways that you provide for us, uh, not only by giving us uh, physical food to sustain our bodies, but by giving us the true bread from heaven, uh, your Son, who, who died and rose for us and, and, and gives us his body and blood in, in the Holy Supper uh, that we uh, receive as a precious gift from you uh, in your church, which is a foretaste of the eternal feast to come. Uh, Lord, be with us now as we uh, study your word in Exodus 24 and help us to see how it points us ahead uh, to your son and his blood that he shed for us. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. All right. Well, let's uh, go ahead then and turn to the text. We've kind of already introduced it here. Um, I, I mean, it, it, is, it is a shorter chapter, and it is one where it's a very condensed narrative. It, it's one, I think, also where we, we might just kind of miss a lot of important stuff and just let it fly right past us. Um, anything that we really ought to be slowing down for as we read and, and making sure that we're we're not missing. Well, one thing I just wanted to point out uh, off the top of the very first verse, uh, you know, when you look at the original Hebrew, it, it really emphasizes Moses right up front. 
<laughs> you know, uh, rather than starting with the verb like it usually does, you know, we have yeah. uh, an undo Moses. And, um, and I think here, especially in Exodus 24, we, we see uh, Moses being, you know, a type of Christ here. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, being the, the mediator. Now, of course, uh, uh, he's not the ultimate mediator. He's, he's ultimately the, the picture of the only one who is the mediator. Uh, but he, he, he certainly uh, uh, is, is uh, uh, set up here in Exodus 24 as, as a type of Christ, uh, the, the one that mediates between Yahweh and his people. Yeah, that's um, yeah, that, that, thanks for making that observation there. I mean, it, it does strike you when you're looking at it in Hebrew, but it it will just uh, fly right past you. I mean, and it is interesting too that, um, you know, I mean, in the English translation, it's like you know, then he said, uh, which you know, if you're those of us who are familiar with the Hebrew would expect it to be a completely different form uh, than right. what we actually have right there. I, I think there's something that can potentially be kind of important for us to uh for us to look at but we'll we'll get there in just a second but let's just go ahead and read the chapter for right now so here we go exodus chapter 24 here in the english standard version then he said to moses come up to the lord you and aaron nadab and abihu and 70 of the elders of israel and worship from afar Moses alone shall come near to the Lord, but the others shall not come near, and the people shall not come up with him. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars, according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel went up, and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up into the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has dispute, let him go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain forty days 
and 49 So, uh, you know, my, my reaction is like, okay, we're back into the narrative, but I'm like, oh no, did I really want to get back into the narrative? Because, (laughs) um, (laughs) it's, it, it kind of reminds me of chapter 19 where it's, it's, it's kind of actually a real challenge, um, in English translation to understand what the sequence is and and like, what's the, the logic of, Okay, who's supposed to be up on the mountain? Who's not supposed to be up on the mountain? When does when is God saying this? When is Moses saying what? Um, I, I think there's definitely some stuff that I'm hoping that you can help uh, help us to sort out. But um, that aside, for just a minute here, it, it is I, I think overall, um, like you were saying, you, you see just the mediation of Moses. The, the 40 days and 40 nights up there with God on the top of the mountain is very suggestive and and foreshadowing. But, I mean, it's one of my favorite moments in Scripture where uh, you've got Moses and Aaron and uh, two others and the 70 elders who go up and they it just says they, they see the God of Israel. Um, and it's it, it's very striking even just like the way that that's, that that's worded there. You know, it's like they actually see God. I mean, I think by calling him the God of Israel like that, I I think it kind of alludes back to when Jacob wrestled with God and said, behold, I have, I've seen God face to face and I've lived. Um, in fact, that's kind of the comment that you get right in verse 11. Um, you know, he didn't lay his hand on them, like, because, you know, we think that, he should kill them or at the very least make them all go limp. Right. But they don't. And in fact, they get to just hang out and eat and drink with them. So, I mean, it's just this moment here. It's, it's, it's unique. Oh, it is. And I, I think, I know this is subtle, but I I find it interesting, you know, it's, very clearly stated. He didn't lay a hand on them. He didn't shed their blood, but, uh, there's a lot of blood that's shed, <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. You know, he they they do lay their hands on sacrificial animals, which 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 is really ultimately a picture of the fact that, you know, the gospel here is that that even though we deserve to have God lay His hand on us, you know, He lays His hand on His own Son. We we think back to, to Abraham and Isaac, you know, the uh, on Mount Moriah. You know, God lays His hand on His own Son that that we might be able to be in his presence that we might be forgiven so there's a a lot of uh definite uh you know, pictures here of, of of christ and what he would do for us uh, certainly um i mean the for, the foreshadowing is is strong and um you know and, and, I, and i think that that's why i mean it's interesting you, you you'd almost expect that maybe this chapter would get more explicitly um cited in the new testament because of how it lends itself um so much to this like rich uh, theology and um foreshadowing um of christology but i mean you you don't really see like that much of it really picked up in really explicit terms however i I feel like it it gets picked up in really uh, well you mentioned you use the word subtle like it also gets picked up again with subtlety um and I feel like that is because, I mean, this this is a, a very mysterious moment. Like, I, I feel like you, uh, the New Testament writers, I feel like would, would have had this in mind, but it would have been such a special moment for them and a mysterious one that they wouldn't just say like, oh, yeah, you know, like what happened, like in a really casual way. 
Um, and it seems like that might be one of the reasons why they've kind of, as it were, subtly alluded to it in the way right. that they've told the gospel story. Right. In fact, you know, I, I see that in the New Testament, too. You know, sometimes, as you know probably very well, Luke is often accused of, of not, you know, even talking about the atonement. But, uh, you know, I've tried to point yeah. out, oh, 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 he does indeed, in very subtle ways, but he does indeed. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah. you know, and, and so I, I think I, I see Exodus 24 alluded to, you know, maybe not with a sledgehammer, but it's definitely being pointed to uh, if you understand, you know, what the New Testament's getting at. Yeah, well, and, and and I think that one of the one of the places that I've I've seen that, um, I, I mean, I think there's like a few different places. I mean, I think I think you definitely see it a little bit in the Mount of Transfiguration. Um, you, you get a little bit of this idea of well, I mean, of course, it's it's uh, you know Moses right going up onto the mountain, and then hey, look at there, there he is, he's Moses and hanging out with with God there, right? Um, it, it's uh, particularly right, like that Moses and and three others uh, with him go up, and then our Lord Jesus he takes you know like like a new Moses, three others he takes uh, Peter, James, and John, and and so I, I think that that's uh, one of the ways, but uh, I, I think there are a few others too where where it kind of there's a there's a subtle connection, right? Oh, absolutely. And, and we'll get to this, I guess, as we work through, but I, I think you, you can't get away from a subtle reference to the Lord's Supper. <laughs> you know, oh, especially yeah. when Jesus talk about the new covenant and, and eating with God. Yeah, you, you can't escape that. Oh, yeah, certainly. Uh, well, let's go ahead then and, and uh, start from the top, though, before we get too ahead of ourselves and just kind of look at this yeah. in detail. So, um, so yeah, so as you, as you were saying, it starts off in a with a rather, well, with a little little bit of a not necessarily unique, but unusual construction, right? With this, uh, to Moses, he said, um, and, and in fact, in fact, I think with the verb form, you might even want to say, like, to Moses, he had said, um, even making it go a little bit pluperfect. So, I mean, like, what's what's the move here? Like, what? I mean, this is clearly a shift in the narrative. Yes, and you know. It's hard to know where to go. Like you said, it's kind of confusing here a little bit sometimes. Yeah, but a um, bit, yeah. yeah, you know. But I, 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 you know, the way I'm reading this, first of all, is is the, uh, um, again, as I mentioned uh, earlier, a, a real emphasis on Moses being the, the mediator between uh, God and His people, but ultimately, you know, being the, the type of Christ. But um, you know, and and. I know you can tell me what you think. Is I, 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 you know, the 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 question is, is is this happening? Is this a reference to something that happened earlier, like you you mentioned with the pluperfect? Um, yeah. And or 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 is this something that's you know did, you know did did Moses you know, back in you know uh, chapter nineteen of Exodus we know that Moses you know went up and spoke with the Lord and came down, spoke the Ten Commandments, and then uh, the other applications of it in Exodus 21 through 23. And, and now is he going up again uh, and, 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 and getting more information? It, it, you know, uh, a lot of the English translations would, would have us read it that way, but I don't know, what do you think this is leading to? Yeah, well, you know, you, you mentioned the different English translations, and it's uh, it's it's interesting how... The different English translations try, try to make sense of this in, in different ways. Um, I mean, in 19, I think that that's kind of maybe even back in chapter 19, I think that's kind of where it's more apparent that 
you know, there's different ways to try to piece this together. It seems like most English translations, like you just compare, like, say, like the NIV is as another example. Uh, they also go with this, you know, then the Lord said to Moses, right? But I mean, it, it, honestly, it honestly kind of surprises me <laughs> that they would do this because that's sort of like the the least trying to make sense of what seems like a little bit of a contradiction uh, move to make. And they, they, they all kind of go there because um, we remember that this sermon here, right, that, that Moses is getting, this kind of deeper explanation of the Ten Commandments, right? Um, I mean, how does it start out, right? You go back to, where is it here? You go back to the end of chapter 20, right? Um, right. and, and so there, there, there it is. It's like, you know, the, the Ten Commandments have, have been delivered, right? Um, the people are scared, <laughs> and they say back in uh, Exodus 20, chapter, uh, yeah, 20, verse 19, you speak to us, we'll listen, but don't let God speak to us lest we die. Um, and it says there, right, in verse 21, the people stood far off uh, while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. And we know um, from earlier in the chapter— and in chapter 19, that that's at the top of the mountain. So if right. Moses went up there to hear all this stuff uh, back in chapter 20, uh, how is he going up to God? To, <laughs> you, you, know, you know, it's it's sort of like, what, what, what's up with that? So um, I, I feel like there is a, an intuitive uh, perfect here. Like, this is actually right. a little bit of a sidebar. Like, now— Okay, now r- remember he had he had said to Moses earlier, right? Um, you know, uh, pri- privately, because you know, right, right here in this uh, the verses that we've just read in chapters twenty two and twenty three, he's speaking to Moses, yes, but he's not really speaking to Moses in the sense of like just telling Moses stuff for him to know. I mean, he, he's giving him this sermon to pass along to the people. Right, so as far as God's concerned, He's speaking to the people still um, in in chapter twenty three. Right, I mean, like that's that's where you get you know how the how did the uh, the chapter conclude? Right, in verse thirty three, they shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. So as far as God's concerned, He's speaking to the entirety of the people of uh, I mean the entirety of His people. Um, as one here, Moses is just their representative. So, in, in, in chapter twenty-four, this is different. This is a comment. This is a instructions that he had given particularly to Moses, and so it, it does seem like this is a break, um, and not just kind of the next thing that he said. Right, right, and you know if. If you take this as, as two different events, you, 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 you kind of it, it doesn't say this in the text, but you have to kind of assume that well, after chapters twenty and twenty three, uh, he must have uh, you know, or he you know when he gives this information in chapters uh, twenty and twenty three, he he must have gone down and told this to the people, but it doesn't say that. But you you kind of have to assume that if you're going to say he's going up again. So I I I, I think you know what you say about the pluperfect, you know. Uh, you know, re- referring you know back to you know what the Lord is all still giving him on the mountain makes a little bit more sense. Well, yeah, and also it, it makes sense to a little bit about um, verse three, then, right? Because verse three, you do get the consecutive form where it's, it's saying, "Okay, hey guys, we're picking up the narrative again." Uh, kind of like close parentheses, 
I mean, I mean that's, that's something that we uh, we don't appreciate. There's no punctuation in the Hebrew. It, the grammar is doing everything. Um, so, which is just why it's super important to keep it straight. So, um, in verse three, then you get you know, and Moses came and told the people, right? So it right. It, it like really doesn't make sense if it's like. Moses is like up on the mountain. Then, then God says, "Come up to me." And then right. he goes away from God. <laughs> it's like right. what? Um, but, but so I, I think this is actually kind of the thing that just makes sense. He's up on the mountain. He's getting this sermon from God. You get this comment here, um, this kind of sidebar, um, you know, from the narrator, which says, "Hey, um, you know, God had told Moses this previously," which is the explanation or the introduction, even. Or then verse three, which is then right. Moses is coming down the mountain. He tells the people, uh, when it says the words of the Lord and all the rules, he's basically, he's giving them this sermon. So in verse three, he is speaking the sermon that began at the tail end of chapter 20 that went all the way uh, through Exodus 23. Now they get the sermon that breaks down this fuller yeah. explanation of all the Ten Commandments. Um, and then, so when they say all the words the Lord has spoken, we will do in verse three, well, they know what they're signing up for. They, they've just signed on and said, amen, hallelujah to the sermon. Um, sounds good to us. Right, exactly. And, and you get the same wording, um, you know, uh, uh, back in, in Exodus 19.8, that you also get the same wording, uh, we will do everything yes. the Lord has said. But, but I, I um, no, I agree with you that that seems to make sense of um you know especially when you when you look at the hebrew grammar that seems to to at least make sense of of what's going on here otherwise you have moses coming and going and coming and going and it doesn't seem to fit with the flow of the text <laughs> yeah well and, and and like you you just uh, i mean you start just getting you know seasick watching them uh go up back and forth and up and down and and you and you start to lose sight of the significance of it too uh, because we, we got to remember, you know, again, in this, and I didn't really have a chance to go into this um, with as much detail as I, as I wanted, but I, I think the way to interpret the, the kind of mess that we have in 19 and 20, as far as the translations go, um, is that God is actually thundering out the Ten Commandments in the hearing of all the people, and Moses is interpreting each one of them along the way. So you hear this boom thing of thunder, um, and then Moses, you know, shouts down, you know, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And then another boom, and then you shall have no other gods before me. And so he's going one by one like this. But I think the, the logic is that the people, by the time they get all 10, are just like, Moses, stop. Make him stop. We can't take it anymore. This is way too scary. And, and so in this moment here, uh, Moses goes up to receive these instructions, um, which he's just finished hearing, and he comes back down. And by coming down the mountain like this, I mean, this is, an, this is a moment of grace, See, I mean, like, it, it's not—and and we really can emphasize and overemphasize the, the law as, aspect of this. Like, okay, here's a bunch of rules, but this is a moment of grace because Moses, by coming down the mountain and then graciously re revealing this to the people, he has allowed the people to receive God's instruction without being terrified of the thunder or, or struck down and killed by messing up and getting too close to the nearer presence of God— uh, I mean, it, it really, I think the emphasis is on the gracious mediation of Moses here for the people's benefit. 
Oh, yes. In fact, even though, like you just said, there's a lot of heavy law here, uh, God actually sandwiches it with gospel. Because, you know, uh, the, the whole uh, Ten Commandments section in Exodus 20 begins, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. That's you know, right. he, he re, you know, before, the, like you said, the booming law comes, he reminds them, hey, I've rescued you. You're mine. You know, and and, right. and 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 even though it gets heavy after that, you said now in Exodus 24, we 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 get more grace, more gospel uh, to help the people see that that you know uh, the God you serve is is ultimately a God of mercy and compassion. I mean that, that's right. I mean they they get to receive this. I mean I mean God doesn't hold it against them that they all didn't go up onto the mountain, right? He, he, he doesn't say, like, you know, like, well, you know, you guys were scared, so only Moses got to hear it. I mean, they, they get to hear the same thing, you know, which which is, I mean, this, this is, a, I think, a very big deal, right? I mean, just to, to think of a, a king having negotiations, right? Like, what, what king? I mean, of course, there's some really funny uh, analogies to our modern times, right? Uh, goes and just gives everyone a full unredacted transcript of everything that was said behind closed doors. Uh, <laughs> but we'll, we'll let that alone for a second. Let that one simmer. But it's time for our break. Everybody hang on. We're looking at Exodus 24 today here on Thy Strong Word. We'll be right back. This is Dr. Dale Meyer. Have you heard Concordia Seminary's program, Word and Work and Intersection? Every week you can hear it on KFUO Thursdays at 2 p.m. Central Time. We visit with many interesting guests about how the Word of God applies to their daily vocations and ministries. Be sure to tune in and may the intersection of Word and Work be busy on your corner. Our listeners and supporters are talking about Worldwide KFUO. We live in Accra, Ghana, West Africa. We listen to KFUO through the Internet. It's nice to listen to a church service going on here in the U.S., the music and the talk shows. It's been very uplifting, really encouraging. So thank you. Bringing the Word of Christ to listeners around the world. To leave a message on the KFUO comment line, call 314-996-1542. Worldwide KFUO. I'm Pastor Ken Bomberger. Join me weekday mornings at 7.15 for Orazio, your time of scripture, meditation, and music on KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Exodus chapter 24 today, uh, this really unique chapter where Moses comes down the mountain, he hands everyone the full explanation of the Ten Commandments, and now he's going to take some people back up with him to eat 
with God, to see God and live to tell the tale, uh, though some uh, not to live as long as others, but that's another story. Um, but <laughs> if you've got some questions or comments for us today, this is a good one. If you're listening live, I think there's a lot of, uh, good stuff to talk about. There's a lot of directions we can go in. Um, but if you've got a question for, for us, you can give us a call 1-800-730-2727. Also for St. Louisans, you can, is that the right term? I even forget. Uh, you can call 314-821-0850, or you can send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org or type something just into the uh, the box there uh, on Facebook, facebook.com slash AJ Espinosa. Already got one little comment here. Uh, Moses being a mediator between the people and God in a way prefigures Christ. Absolutely. I think, I think that as we're just talking about, this idea of Moses coming down and then graciously revealing the things that God had spoken to him in secret, you might say. I mean, this is a big theme in the Gospels, particularly John, this idea that you know, uh, oh yes, that Jesus our Lord before the incarnation was up there, so to speak, on the celestial mountain with God, and now He comes down and reveals the things that had been hidden before the foundation of the world, and that's a big theme for Paul then too. The gospel being this gracious uh, unveiling of, of the truth there. So yeah, so thanks uh, David for that comment there. Uh, before we. Uh, turn to any other questions or comments that come in. I just want to make sure to thank our underwriters, our supporters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Thank you guys for your support of Thy Strong Word, their website, lhfmissions.org. So yeah, we're joined today by Pastor Thomas Eckstein, Pastor of Concordia Lutheran Church in Jamestown, North Dakota. Uh, but yeah, so <laughs> I uh, I didn't even mean to like make the allusion to modern times but it just happens right but um right. it's it's really something he he like you know god says these things to moses but uh the whole of the people of god get to hear this yes yeah you know you, you mentioned john I, I i've been preaching through john lately and you know especially in, in in the high priestly prayer john 17 jesus and also in john 16 but he talks about how the father has given this to me and i have uh, given this to you and and and, and, yeah. and you get very much that that jesus is 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 the one revealing you know uh, the, the the mysteries of the father to his people yeah that, that's right and um you know e even actually this is it's um it's really interesting in verse 3, it's, it's another like little word here that you could pass over too quickly. Um, it says, you know, and Moses came, you know, came back, came down. Uh, and then the next word there, you know, saper, that, that's, um, that's the word that's based on the word for scroll. Um, it's yeah. not used too commonly. Um, it, it, it hasn't been used, I think, so far in Exodus for the things that Moses has been saying. It, it's um, it, it's kind of the, like, you, you unroll the scroll and you reveal its contents, right? It's And, and Moses revealed to the people everything that God said. You know, I mean, he... I mean, yeah, I mean, it doesn't, you want to press it too far. It is, it is kind of just a word for telling, but it, it's this sense of like, he lets him in on it, um, which, right. which is very congenial to the way that John talks so much about the relationship between um, the son and the father and the son as uh, the mediator and the revealer of the mysteries. Yes. And, uh, you know, as we go on, 
you know, one, I wanted to make one little comment. You know, we get this back yeah. in Exodus 19 and here, too. Everything the Lord has said we will do. You know, and I've heard some people say, oh, th- th- this is where they're waxing legalistic now, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I really don't think that's the right way to take this here. Uh, now, yeah. now. I, I don't deny that maybe some of them fall into that ditch, as we all do, but I, I don't, I don't sure. think it's fair here to say, oh, now they've they become a bunch of legalists. No, I think here we, we, we have a, you know, uh, a genuine response of faith saying, you know, uh, here's what Yahweh has done for us. He's taking us out of Israel. He, he's now given us his word, and, and, and we want to serve him. We, 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 we want to do as well. Now, we know later on many of them, you know, uh, you know uh, fall backwards in that regard. But, but here I, I, I believe there, there is a sincere desire. It's not, you know, uh, what, what can we do to earn our salvation? It, it's about, okay, God has rescued us from Egypt. Now, yeah, we want to serve him. I, I totally agree with you. I, I, I mean, I, I, I get it, and I, and I especially—and I don't, I don't think it's invalid to kind of, you know— in a kind of spiritual contemplative way to look at that and you, and you, and you say like, Oh, okay. You know, all that, you know, the Lord has said we will do like, and well, you know, can we really do anything that he said? Like, I mean, I get that. And that's like, it's not an invalid spiritual reflection. Right. I mean, that, that that's, that's, that's right. good. Uh, but I, I think I, I agree with what you're saying. Like in the context, it, it is not um, that they're saying a bad thing, but like, that the narrators like and 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 then they just put their foot in their mouths no that that's not how he's portraying it in in the first place i mean this this is really a, a gracious and a and a celebrated moment you know all of israel gets to hear the word of the lord i mean which is a big deal i mean you think about ancient societies this would have never happened you you, you don't get to have the common people get to right. hear the mysteries of their God. That, that's for the priests. It's all a secret. Uh, they they yeah. don't get let in on this. But in verse 3, it says Moses goes down to their level, and he lets them in on it. Um, and, and, they yeah. get to, and they get to speak. They get to say something back to God. You know, I mean, it's yeah. just uh, th- them getting brought in like this. I, I think yeah. the emphasis is all, is all on grace and— it's oh, about yeah. how God actually, by the revelation of his word, has moved them to faith so that they would desire to be obedient. Absolutely. And I, I think of this in terms of even Luther's morning prayer. You know, uh, yeah. uh, asks us to pray, you know, Lord, help us to live without sin today. You know, that, that's not a bad yeah. thing to pray. <laughs> so. No, 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 it, it's, it's not. It's not. And, and, and it can, I, I mean, I, and I get where people are coming from when um, they kind of take a different tack and they say, you know, like, well, hey, you know, how could you, it's pretty presumptuous to say that you're going to, you know, go without sin today. And like, I get what you're saying, uh, but, you know, like, let's let's uh, take a moment and, and get what Luther meant, right? Or, you know, get what right, exactly. you know, Moses meant here in, in Exodus. And uh, there's, there's actually quite something uh, p- pious and good about it. Um, but but so 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 then you know so he reveals this to them right um, and then and then verse four says you know he writes it all down, mm-hmm. which this is this is, this is kind of an interesting sequence thing too okay right because okay so he it says it wrote he wrote down all the words of the Lord then, um, but hang on a second doesn't he <laughs> later say God. Um, come up here so I can give you the tablets of stone with the Ten Commandments. So hang on a second. Who is writing what when? Right, right. Yeah, it gets a little confusing here. 
I, you know, we do have the Lord writing, um, you know, whether this is, uh, you know, a reference to something Moses did later or whether he does that right at that moment. You know, it's, it's, it's sometimes hard to really sort out. But, uh, but we, you know, at the very least, we know from this that, that you know, God used Moses to write, you know, uh, uh, what God had said to him, you know, verbally. And um, but as far as the the, the timing of all this, it, it, it gets a little tricky. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, it, it's a, it certainly. Uh, it... Hello. Hello. Um, you can you? Oh. Hey, hey, brother. Can you hear me? I'm back. Um, Okay, there he is. There he is. Good, good, good. <laughs> Can you hear me now? Good. <laughs> um, all right. All right. So <clears throat> hopefully we don't have any trouble. I know that um, actually uh, our board up before the program started this morning was mentioning to me that there were a, there were a few issues with the phones over there in the International Center. So I hope there's nothing uh, going on. Uh, so Lord willing. But <clears throat> uh, so yeah. So turning to to the Hebrew then. Uh, the the way I'm looking at this here. You do actually have another one of these consecutive forms that says, you know, and then this happened next. I, I think then that the most natural way to take this is that, you know, he, he comes down the mountain and he gives them this sermon then, this sermon that they could not hear, right? God thundered the words of the Ten Commandments earlier, which scared the pants off of them. Uh, but but now he's, you know, giving them uh, this, uh, this, this fuller explanation that God spoke more softly. And so he goes and he speaks all these words, um, and then he writes them down. Uh, right. Because after all, they just agreed to it, right? I mean, they, they said, all the Lord spoken, we will do. Um, and so, I mean, it's, uh, this is kind of, this is kind of this uh, standard, it's this kind of standard, like, I guess, legal practice, right? So it's like, okay, you, uh, you know, God, this is what God said, the people have agreed, um, so, so then you get this idea of, all right, so I'm going to like, make sure that I, you know, I write all this stuff down. So we all have a, a real legal record, right? Here's your copy. Here's my copy. Um, you know, here's the memorial and here's the blood, right? This is like kind of the spit in the hand and the handshake, right? So, I mean, so all of this is kind of ratifying that, um, however, th that was kind of the full explanation. The actual 10 commandments themselves though, right. um, that part, right? That that didn't that didn't necessarily get written down at this time. That that's that's the way that I would want to take it. Yeah, and you know there would be nothing wrong with saying that that Moses wrote, like you're suggesting, Moses wrote some things down, and then God also gave him, you know, the, the tablets of stone, uh, which you yeah. know contained at the very least the Ten Commandments. Uh, there's no reason it has to be either or. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, no reason except for, you know, practical things like, you know, stones get heavy when you write down like, a, you know, <laughs> like the entirety of, of, of Exodus, like 20B through 23. I mean, uh, you know, we've actually, we, we've recovered, you know, it's really cool. Um, and actually, this would be, a, this would be, I, I should, uh, should have a Professor David Adams back on again soon. But I mean, he's actually like gone and shown uh, some of like the stones, you know, that like we, we see kind of ancient uh, paleo hebrew script on and stuff um, and, and they just fill 
every corner of the thing. And it's not even necessarily like a flat stone. It's just like the, the texts and the lines, they just kind of start going up and down and around the corner <laughs> with oh the stone, right? It's, it's just, it's just, you fill every nook and cranny because, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's really expensive to go to Staples and get paper, uh, at that time. So, uh, so, so, so it'd be actually very difficult, right. To go and, and make stone tablets for all of this stuff. Oh, exactly. So, uh, so, so it, it kind of would make sense if, um, if Moses had, uh, perhaps some parchment, uh, or something, or maybe even some animal skins, maybe, maybe stuff he even took from Egypt, right. Um, sure. that he wrote down, uh, 20B through 23 on, right. right. Uh, but it wouldn't be practical to, to write all of that on stone, but for something right. really important and for something that's relatively short at the 10 commandments that you could put on stone. Right. And, and so I, I think that that makes a little bit of sense too, about how, um, at the end of the 10 commandments, there is no mention of Moses writing anything down. Right. Right. Um, I, I'm, it, it doesn't it doesn't say that he, he's just there kind of like bet- standing between God and the people shouting stuff down in interpretation. Um, but God himself is going to ink those Ten Commandments right. as well, chisel them. And that, that you know, that, that is a helpful thing too, to understand that that, you know, uh, even though Moses is, is writing down all these details, God giving the Ten Commandments in stone is sort of the, these are the foundational uh words of God. And then, you know, Moses kind of gives all the, the specific applications, you know, uh, in right. detail. So, but, but, but it's a sign that, hey, you know, uh, uh, all this is, is, you know, whatever Moses is writing, obviously, all these details is, is just flowing from the word of God, you know, the Ten Commandments, which, which are the foundation thereof. So, uh, yeah, so um, some good stuff there. Um, one thing so I would here, have... Uh, a... get... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just well, wanted I to, say, uh, we got we, we got a question. If you wanted to tackle well, a question, but why don't you go ahead and make your observation first, and then I'll and I'll throw this oh. one at you. It, it, it's kind of a it's it's a little a little bit of a brain teaser of a question. Okay, just real quickly, I just wanted to make sure we got to to verse eight, where you know this is the blood of the covenant the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words, and and, and of course the the blood being sprinkled uh, on the people. And, uh, you know, th- there's uh, a-, a couple uh, things here. You know, in, in the book of Hebrews, it, it talks about God sprinkling uh, his people and cleansing them. And so you, you kind of get a-, a little bit of a baptism picture here. You know, the, the-, the-, the effect of blood of Jesus is-, is applied to us in the waters of baptism. But-, but then also with the blood of the covenant, you know, be- uh, referencing, uh, you know, the Lord's Supper ultimately. You know, this is my blood of the, the-, the-, the covenant you know, given for you. And, and, and basically, you know, rather than uh, falling into the air where, well, the Old Testament is all law, and then you get the gospel and the New Testament, you know, what's new about the New Covenant uh, is that it's, it's the promise fulfilled. You know, you know, here we have the blood of bulls and goats, which, you know, we know can't take away sin, but they're pictures of the one who can, you know, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So, so what's new about it is that the sun is here. Uh, you're actually getting the real thing and not just the picture. But I just wanted to make that observation. Well, you know, no, and, that, and that's fair. Though, on the other hand, right, um, the picture ends up becoming the real thing because of the real thing, right? I mean, it's, uh, right, exactly. it's kind of using an analogy from, from Lewis, right? I mean, in some ways, uh, human beings are just pictures of God, and we're not real people. But because of God, he, he makes us real, like a little bit of a, 
uh, Pinocchio turning into a real boy kind of thing, right? And so uh, because of Christ, and because Christ is here even in this moment, what's a picture of his blood becomes efficacious, right? And, and they, they yeah. actually do have their sins forgiven and they're atoned for and they receive these things. I mean, and that's what makes it a sacrament, right? I mean, sacraments are these pictures, um, but like, uh, I guess, like like in the Eastern tradition, the way that they think about icons, they're pictures that are kind of more like windows, where right. the real thing can come through. And, and so this is, a, this is a sacramental moment. Oh, absolutely. And it's just a good reminder that, that again, here we, we don't have legalism, you know, people yeah. promising to be obedient and then God uh, rewarding them, you know, uh, uh, because of their merits. No, we, we, this, yeah. this is all gospel here. This is, is, yeah, is right. God uh, adopting them by grace in Christ, and then the, 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 the obedience is the fruit of faith. Amen. Yeah, no, it really, really is, which is exciting, I think, for Christians and for us Christians to, to look at and, and say, like, hey, look, actually, what's going on in the Old Testament with Moses, it's, in a lot of ways, it's the, it's the same thing. And, and the problem is not that it's a different thing, like, oh, Moses was all bad and legalistic, right? But here comes Jesus with, like, you know, he's loving and happy in the, in the gospel. Right. No, it's, it, it's all gospel, right? The, the problem is it's not enough. <laughs> it's not right. enough gospel. We need even more of it. And it's only Jesus who gives you the pure, unadulterated, the, the, the totally unredacted thing, not just up on the top of Sinai, but uh, out on the top of heaven, heaven in the highest, right? Right. So, I mean, right. it, it's just that Moses, um, it's not that he's wrong, it's that he's incomplete, right? That's exactly. the idea of, of, of fulfillment. Um, so, so when you go back and you look at these things, um, they're, they're still for us, too. This is still our good gospel stuff, um, and in some ways, uh, actually because it's a little bit incomplete, it kind of helps us appreciate and understand the more complete thing. But along those lines— um, so here, here he goes, right? And they have this moment and it's, like I said, so condensed, right? It's just in, in verse nine, you know, and, and then they go up, you know, and it's, uh, I mean, the, the, the whole story, like it's just like three verses long. Um, and, uh, I mean, it, I mean, it's even like, it's even less than that. I mean, it's like, you know, verse nine, um, and then verse 10 and then, so in verse nine, you know, they go up verse 10 and then they saw, and then like verse 11 is kind of just a little bit of another parenthetical comment like and by the way no one died in the making of this film um but the film was like 60 seconds long it was like shorter than the little pixar things at the beginning of the movie right so um you have just this this brief little moment and so here's the question that came in on the um on facebook here so okay now hang on a second uh here that these guys get to go up and eat with god on the mountain but where were these guys uh, 40 days later um, in chapter 32 when they're uh, building the, fo- uh, the golden calf? Like, wh- what's, what's going on here? Uh, if they're all going up to the mountain, then, you know, why, why is uh, Moses going down the mountain in chapter 32? And, um, you know, there's apparently everybody else, Aaron included, uh, doing idolatry. Right, right. Yeah, you know, and one way, and, and you can tell me how you go at this, one way I've, I've looked at this is that, um, you know, uh, we definitely have, as a text says here, Mo, Moses, Aaron, and Nahab, and Abihu, they went up with Moses. But uh, I've always taken it as that, that you know, where, where Moses, you know, stays here, uh, they eventually go back down again. Uh, and, uh, and, and we know that, you know, 
later on in Exodus, you know, when, when Moses uh, comes back, he he finds them, you know, uh, committing idolatry. But how do you how do you, how do you solve this? Uh, I, I think you're right. I, I think I think you're just right because it is a. I mean, and this isn't just like us being arbitrary, but you have a, a story that's clearly being told in very condensed, broad terms, right? I mean, the whole oh, thing's yeah. narrated in two verses, right? So it, it's not illegitimate to, to see this as, as, a, as a condensed narrative. I, I think that the—I mean, the structure of the text itself is presenting it that way. So, yeah, th- this is like, yeah, so they all—you know, of course, yeah, so they all went up, you know, they, they saw God, you know, and there and that was it. So, I mean, right. I, I think that ver- very much it's, it's natural to say and then everybody went home. <laughs> right. um, and, and, exactly. and in fact, I think verse 11 is kind of signaling that, right? B- because uh, you're kind of like, okay, who's going to come down the mountain? How many of them are left, right? Like, you know, right. is it only the people with the blue and the gold shirts who are coming back? <laughs> um, but but no, uh, verse 11 is kind of like, oh, hey, look, here they come down the mountain. And hey, look, all of them are alive, everybody. So I, I think verse 11 is, is um, right. you know, e- even kind of a little bit of a, indirect way albeit way of saying that everyone you know came back uh, down the mountain and uh and, and made it and, and in fact in verse 12 when when you have this uh then the lord said to moses come up to me on the mountain and wait there right well see yeah. that that, that kind of confirms it then because yeah. they all came down the mountain moses went down with them make sure that they wouldn't trip or something right um and then, <laughs> and, and and then um or maybe god was just being nice and letting moses like you know uh sleep it off after all that feasting right uh but but then but then just moses goes back up um well right. i mean with with joshua which maybe is uh, the next thing that's worth talking about actually um because i think i think we we answered that question there but yet now Joshua comes onto the scene, right? And like up till now, like Joshua has not really been featured very prominently at all. It's all been about, I mean, Aaron is kind of the sidekick, but but here comes Joshua in verse 13. Right, exactly. And, um, you know, uh, well, obviously I, I can't help but think that, you know, th- this is just uh, preparing us for, for the eventual fact that, that Joshua takes over for Moses. Um, but but also um, we, we also know uh, you know sadly uh, you know uh, Aaron ends up messing up big time <laughs> and so yes. here, here we I, I I see this you know uh, uh, as just a, a subtle preparation for the fact that hey hey right now Moses is the main guy uh, but yeah. but guess what guess who's going to replace him eventually here we're kind of being introduced to the uh, his successor mm-hmm. here. Well, yeah, no, that, that that's um that is that is true that we kind of like, hey guys, don't forget about him. He's going to feature prominently later. I mean, I mean that that's of course like a, a mark of good storytelling, right? You you don't just like later on. It's just like, and now here's a totally different person that I've not introduced you, you to at all, right? So, um, you know, along the way, we're getting these little moments where where Joshua is 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 uh, kind of showing up and uh, being a little bit more prominent here. Um, and in, in some ways, I think this, this kind of makes sense. So, uh, the follow-up question here was like, now, hang on a second, but if these 70 elders and Aaron like went up there and they saw God, right? Like how could those people be duped into idolatry? Right? Like, you know, like why, why wouldn't they speak up and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, Aaron, Aaron, we were with you on the mountain. Like we know better. Um, but I, I think that and I'll I'll let you like react to this too. We only have a, little, a few minutes left here, but I I think it's actually kind of just the opposite, right? I mean, because c- consider right, who goes up there on the mountain? 
um, you know, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, the 70 elders, right? Like, who gets into trouble later? Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and the 70 elders. I mean, it, it's like, actually, there, this is kind of exposing why God would not necessarily want everyone going up there and seeing him, because we don't handle this very well as sinners. And so later on, Aaron is going to be part of the rebellion, part of the coup with his sister Miriam against Moses, um, as, as is narrated in Numbers. Uh, Nadab and Abihu are going to get, you know, really big heads like, hey, we went up and saw God and lived to tell a tale. And so they're going to go and light un, uh, unauthorized fire, and God's going to strike them dead. Um, the elders are going to be part of the generation that gets cut off. So pretty much everybody who goes up and sees God, they don't die now, um, but sinful beings that they are, they're going to get really big heads, and they're going to need to die later. Yep. And, you know, to answer this question, you know, how, how could they do what they end up doing, all the idolatry, after, after having this wonderful, awesome experience of seeing God and eating with Him? Well, you know, you just stop and think, we see this over and over again, you know, God... Yeah displays his majesty with his people. You know, he just brought them out of Egypt, mighty wonders, you know, crossing yeah. of the Red Sea. So so, so even the, the, the ordinary people who weren't up there eating with God, they, they saw these other wonders and signs, too. And then I, I think of the New Testament, you know, uh, uh, yeah. uh, 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 the, the apostles who were up on, on the mountain of transfiguration. Peter was one of them. And yet later, yeah. you know, he denies Jesus three times. It, it it happens to all of us. <laughs> yeah, I was I was exactly thinking of Peter. Same same thing, right? I mean, like here he is. He gets to go up and and see it all, um, and then man, he falls hard um, afterwards. So I mean, it, it's uh, it really is something, you know. And and for me personally, you know, um, you know, as, as a pastor, as as a as a as an exegete, like I, I just I, I love you know, just digging deep and like really soaking this in. And, and you want to, I, I, you know, I want to see God when I, when I'm in prayer and I'm, and I'm reading the scriptures, you know? And right. so I, I have this desire, but I, I think I got to look at texts like this and give myself a reality check and say, Hey, look, you know what? If I really saw God, right. Um, would I handle that? Well, I mean, think about the Beatitudes, you know, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. There, there's a reason for that because I mean, like, uh, unless God purifies your heart, um, you're not going right. to do well with seeing Him. No. Um, you know, even Moses, as as pure in heart as he was, um, is going to fall short after all this stuff here. So, I mean, this does lend itself, of course, very well to John. This idea of you know, and in Christ, we have actually seen the grace and truth of God, and done more than just to live the telltale, but um, lived unto eternal life. Absolutely. And it's just a reminder to me of, of, again, the gospel that's dripping here on this page, because we, we all fall hard, and yet uh, we can fall into the arms of our God who forgives us. So. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Hey, I appreciate you hanging with me and trying to make sense of uh, some, some difficult questions, but just a beautiful gospel-dripping chapter, as you said. Uh, looking forward to having you on again real soon. Yeah, God bless. Have a good day. Thanks. You too, everybody. That was Pastor Thomas Eckstein, Concordia, Jamestown, North Dakota. Going to finish off the week with Exodus 25 tomorrow. Till then, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. The official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.